just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. We're starting a brand new week, and it promises to bring a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff happened uh, on Monday that we need to talk about. I got some good news for you weather fans. We went through a couple days, minus 10 degrees or more. But today it's going to be up around 28, 29, and it's going to be like that throughout the rest of the week. I can deal with winter if it's anywhere from 25 to 35. That's not bad. That's not a big deal. When it gets to be sub-zero, fuck that. I want to get out of here. Anyway, let's talk about some of the things that are going on. Um, Jim Jordan is in the news. (laughs) Of course, Jim Jordan has been asked by the House Select Committee to testify. Now, you might remember that Jim Jordan was in front of uh, the House of Representatives a while back, and he was questioned some, but he was not under oath at the time. So you know there was plenty of fucking lying going on there. And they were asking about his conversations with Donald Trump during the insurrection. Did it happen before? Did it happen during? Did it happen after? And he just kept going, saying, I talk to the president all the time. I don't remember when I talked. Then the interviewer said, well, you said this. Well, that might be right. It could have been during. It could have been after. And, uh, you know, he's trying to distract and divert. That's what these Republicans do. You're trying to make this about me. Well, it is about you, motherfucker. You're the one that talked to Donald Trump. We want to know when it was and what you talked about. Again, this was not under oath. And then Jim Jordan said something kind of interesting. He said, I don't have anything to hide. (laughs) Okay, Jim. Well, then we'll invite you to testify in front of the House Select Committee investigating the insurrection. You know what Jim Jordan said? Uh, Yeah, I no, I probably won't do that. Now, you recall, they also asked Scott Perry, another sitting member of the House of Representatives, would like to talk to you. And Scott Perry declined. They're also talking about the prospect of talking to Mike Pence. Now, you'd think he'd want to talk. I mean, they were trying to fucking kill him. How could he possibly side with Donald Trump and the insurrectionists if they were trying to kill him? Well, (laughs) Mike Pence is a suck-ass, and he still thinks that by siding with Donald Trump that he's going to get somewhere and maybe even run for president. Well, not if Donald Trump has anything to do it do with it. He doesn't like Mike Pence anymore, and he's going to try to shut him down as well as all these Republicans. So now the question is, Jim Jordan won't testify. Um, Scott uh, Perry won't testify. And they're saying Mike Pence probably won't testify unless he's subpoenaed. But I guess the big question is, can you subpoena sitting members of the House of Representatives. Now, I've heard legal scholars talk about this and say, sure you can. You know, if there is something to talk to them about, you can subpoena them. But for whatever reason, the House Select Committee is saying, well, we really got to check this out. We've got to know for sure if we can do this. And part of the reason is they're unsure about it is because it's never been done before. You've never had to subpoena a representative from the House before because they just fucking do it. That's part of their job. But these guys don't want to do it. Now they're trying to weigh back and forth whether or not they can subpoena them. And then if they subpoena them and they still don't come, if they can send them to the DOJ for criminal contempt of Congress. Now, from what I've heard from all lawyers, you can do all of those things. The problem is, is that for the House of Representatives and the House Select Committee, it's kind of irregular since it's never happened before. So the House of uh, Select Committee is trying to deal with norms. You know what norms are. Those are the things that Donald Trump broke every fucking moment. They're not really laws, but you just don't do that or you just do do that. 
Donald Trump broke all of those all the time, and now they're trying to decide whether or not it would fall within a norm to subpoena them and ultimately prosecute them for contempt of Congress. Well, here's the deal. Donald Trump for four years, Republicans for four years, and uh, all the trump out there have broken every norm. You know, they have these norms in government thinking nobody should break that, nobody would break that, but they have no real function in how to stop people from breaking norms if they decided to do that. Now, nobody really did it in the past, but Donald Trump did nothing but break these norms. But they aren't laws, so they can't prosecute him for that. And even if they could, there's some question about prosecuting a president or a former president. And here's the thing. We went through a whole period of four years, almost five years now, where norms don't matter. They don't matter. They just did whatever the fuck they wanted. So now that we've got the House Select Committee and we've got the uh, House of Representatives, now's not the time to consider norms or what seems to be right or what was ever done before. Now's the time to take extraordinary actions. We've got to take extraordinary actions for extraordinary crimes. It's going to be interesting to see what they ultimately do to the likes of Jim Jordan Scott Perry, and Mike Pence. All of these folks have important information they can tell us about the insurrection. Now, the the other thing is, if they do come up and testify, will they just plead the fifth, or will they lie? What will they do? We don't know. And as I've said many times before, the House Select Committee has all kinds of information right now. They've got uh, testimony from 300-plus people. So they probably have most of the information. But they're doing this for a couple of reasons. First of all, they'd like to get them to testify. Put them under oath so they have to tell the truth or go to jail for perjury. And once they tell the truth, they can nail down some of these crimes or these issues that have gone on during the insurrection on January 6th. Now, if they just plead the fifth, then we know what areas they were directly involved with that might be crimes, and then they can go further to investigate those. And lastly, it's about exposure. That's what this whole year is going to be about, at least when it comes from the House Select Committee. They can't prosecute anybody. House Select Committee doesn't do that. They refer people to the DOJ for criminal activity. The first step for the House Select Committee is to expose the information. Let everybody know about it. For five years, the Trumplicans have controlled the narrative and kept spewing lies after lies and repeating them. And now it's become common knowledge, at least with those people that are uninitiated and are stupid. They believe it's true, even though they're flat-out lies. So now what the Democrats have to do is they have to somehow control the narrative, keep pushing this stuff out into the ether so people hear it. People with common sense, average intelligence, will hear this and say, Jesus, I didn't know that. And then maybe we can change some minds. And instead of having 70% of fucking Republicans who think the election was stolen, we can change some logical minds. I don't know if that's a realistic thing, given what we know about the Republicans, but it's worth a shot. It's worth a fucking shot. All right, the other thing I wanted to talk about, uh, we've had some deaths recently. We had Betty White, we had Sidney Poitier, and just the other day, Bob Saget died at 65. It always makes me nervous when I see somebody 65 die. You know, Betty White, she's in her 90s, you kind of expect that. Sidney Poitier, he's in his 90s, it's kind of expected. Bob Saget, 65. You don't expect it. We don't even know what he died from. But the reason it troubles me is because I'm fucking 61. My mom died when she was 69, going to be 70. You know, you get to that age in the 60s and you think, well, you know, shit could go south real quickly. People come up with all kinds of sicknesses and stuff. But you can't really worry about it. You can't really think about it, especially if it hasn't happened yet. But the interesting thing about these three people, after they died, you heard pretty much the same thing. They're wonderful people. They're caring people. 
They're loving people. They like to help people. And that's good to hear. The negative part of it is we could use more people like that in this day and age because we've got a lot of people that are selfish, narcissistic pieces of shit. So as we continue to lose these people, and don't don't kid yourself, I'm part of the boomer group. I'm on the younger end of the boomer group. But there are a lot of people that are still around that are on the doorstep of passing to the other side, if for no other reason than their age. You get up into your late 70s, 80s, who knows what's going to happen, when it's going to happen. You hope it doesn't, but it could. It absolutely could. So somehow, while we're going to be losing some of these good people that actually care about one another, that aren't racist, that aren't idiots, we've got to wonder, what are we going to do here? If we keep losing those people and we have so many bad people out there, what the hell are we going to do? And it's tough these days because we're in an adversarial society. We've got the Republicans and the Trumplicans, and we've got the Democrats, and we've got people floating around in the middle. And there is no debate. There is no argument. It's just that one side hates the other, and they hate the other side. And it's just a lot of anger, a lot of rhetoric, a lot of spewing of shit. And unfortunately, that puts, a, puts an air into this country, a negative air in this country that we don't need. We have enough negative things. So we got to somehow figure out how to make things more positive. You know, one of the things we have to do is shut down the negative people, the Donald Trumps and the people that follow Donald Trump. We've got to expose the lies and the corruption and the criminality and get that out of the way. Once we can get that out of the way, there should be less arguments. But we've got to expose them for what they are. And then the next step is kind of on us. We've got to be better people. We as a country have to do better. Now, I know people are angry about some of the things going on, and I'll be honest, I'm angry too. I'm ready to step up and and argue with anybody about it, but I've been shying away from it now because it really doesn't accomplish much, as I've said before, and it just turns everything negative. I like to be positive on most things, and I think when people listen to my TikToks, they say, you know, I was about ready to jump off a bridge, but I heard what you said, and now I feel better. And that is probably my proudest moment, whether I'm on TikTok or in the podcast. If I can give people a sense of uh, some hope or some positivity going forward, I'm glad I can do that. And I'm trying to do it legitimately with actual facts and the way it's presented and some thoughts about things that are going on, because it's very easy to watch the TV news and think the world is falling apart and there is no hope and we're all going to die. Well, that's not the case. This country, this world has gone through many things in history. There are times in the United States that were more troublesome or traumatic than what we're dealing with now. I've talked about it before, the 1960s. A lot of shit happened in there. I was a little kid when it was happening, but even then I could tell that there was some scary shit. But the only thing about it was in the 60s, I was born in 1960, so I didn't know any different. This all seemed kind of normal to me. It was scary, but I didn't think that there was any other option. That's just the way things were. As I got older, I experienced better times, happiness, joy, and all that sort of stuff. And that's when I realized I want more of that shit and less of that negativity. And as well as we need to deal with a lot of things politically, we need to do a lot of things positively. I mean, these three people were obviously very positive. Now, I've heard some conspiracy theorists out there trying to talk badly about all of these people. And you can almost bet they're coming from the Republican side because that's what they do. I mean, these are the people that told us that Democrats and Hollywood were all pedophiles and Pizzagate and all this shit. None of that is true. None of that has been proven. But we are seeing some of those similar things in the Republican Party by way of Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell. Maybe it's a little projection on their part. I, I don't know. But when you wake up in the morning, it's kind of nice to 
have a positive attitude, a smile on your face, some things to look forward to. And in the last five years, it's been hard because there's all kinds of negative stuff you throw in the pandemic. It's hard not to be nervous when you go outside and there's a pandemic going on or the economy's in trouble or people are losing jobs or schools are closed or cities are shut down because of the pandemic. It's hard to find the positive side of that. I understand that. But somehow, somehow in our gut, in our hearts, we've got to come up with a way to make things nicer out there. And I hope some of the things that are going to be happening this year will help us do that. But none of us want to live in a negative society. We don't want to be adversarial. We don't want to fight. So it ultimately comes down to us. What will we do? What will we do to make life better? Betty White said something. Uh, They asked about her longevity, and she hated the idea of pontificating about how she grew so old. She said one thing, and, and I think this makes a lot of sense. She said, one of the reasons I believe I've lived this long is because something I learned from my animal friends. You remember that she was deeply committed to protecting animals. She loved animals. And with those animals, she said she learned one thing that helped her with the longevity, and that is kindness. And that's one thing we so sorely lack in this country right now. Now, I'm not suggesting you have to be kind to everybody that's uh, mean or bad to you or bullies you. But there are people in your lives that uh, bring you joy and happiness. And you need to be kind. You need to take care of people. There was one other quote, probably the best religious quote I've ever heard. And I may have mentioned this before. It came from the Dalai Lama, you know, the Buddhist leader. I don't ascribe to Buddhism. I don't know anything about Buddhism. But what he said in this quote really hit home. Somebody said, "What? tell us about your religion, what your religion's about. And he said to the questioner, he said, well, my religion's very simple. He said, all my religion is about is be kind to one another. And that, you know, if you think about it, that makes a lot of sense. If you took that one thing, be kind to one another, that would pretty much take care of all the Ten Commandments or whatever you believe in. That's the bottom line, taking care of one another, being kind. You know, you can espouse all the things that God, your God, whosoever God wants you to do and all the rules and regulations and don't swear and don't do this. Do you really think a God on the level (laughs) overseeing a universe really cares if you swear? It's more simplistic in my mind, and it's about being kind to one another, being decent to one another. And if we can get to that stage and have a lot of people do that, I think we can have a lot better life, a lot better environment in this world. So we're sorry to see Bob Saget um, and uh, Sidney Poitier and Betty White pass away. Those things happen. They are sad. and They'll move on to wherever they move on to. But some of us have to pick up the slack where they're leaving us because they did a lot of caring for one another. There's got to be somebody to replace them. I honestly believe that the younger people will get back more to that. It's we boomers. That's why I call it the rational boomer, because rational boomers seem so rare. Well, I'm finding out with TikTok and the podcast, they aren't so rare. They've just been quiet. I've got a lot of followers on TikTok. People listen to the podcast. We're all of a like mind. There are good boomers out there that are in fact rational. We just haven't been as loud as the others in the past. So it's time to maybe take the lead and be more kind and take care of one another. Now we had an interesting turn of events. Brian Kilmeade, who is on the uh, morning show on Fox News, and Mike Rounds. He is the Republican senator, I think, from South Dakota. Now, these guys have been very strong supporters of Donald Trump and even proponents of the uh, big lie, election fraud, you know. 
They've been yakking about this for a long time. Hell, Donald Trump would call up uh, Fox News, talk to Brian Kilmeade, and he'd be kissing Donald Trump's ass, believing everything he said, supporting everything he said. But just in the last couple of days, it's been kind of interesting. You see, Brian Kilmeade and Mike Rounds, the U.S. Senator, Republican, said, look, Donald Trump lost. Joe Biden won. It was a fair and free election. There was no election fraud. Holy shit. How did that change occur? How did that happen where now they're saying just the opposite? And here's what I'm thinking on this situation. I think these people, these two are realizing, hey, the jig's up. A lot's coming out. People are starting to expose these things. And whenever somebody like Donald Trump or any anybody else has a lot of followers, and when he starts getting exposed for what he is, the rats start to jump ship. Now, here's the thing. These two must be the smartest of the Trump the fucks. And here's why. Because the sooner you jump ship from Donald Trump, the less stink will be left on you. But still, there were people that will follow along and follow along and jump over the cliff with them, and they will die, theoretically, with Donald Trump. The faster you can get away doesn't mean you're going to be absolved of all the crimes you you were part of with Donald Trump, but at least you'll look like the smartest of the bunch you'll be able to pull away and try to separate yourself. Now, here's what will happen, too. As people like Brian Kilmeade and this U.S. senator start to pull away, other people will say, oh, fuck, I better do that, too. And they'll become braver and pull away because somebody's already done it. It's always hard to be that first or second one. But once that happens, you're going to see more and more people pull away. Donald Trump's support is already dwindling. And his support is going to go away ultimately because he'll be exposed for what he is. And even the liars can't continue to support a guy that has been exposed for being so corrupt and so criminal. And that's what I see happening with this situation. Brian Kilmeade, you would have never expected that he'd speak out against Donald Trump, but he did. U.S. Senator Mike Rounds from South Dakota, you wouldn't expect him to speak out against Donald Trump, but he did. And the reason is very simple. They're thinking about themselves. They're thinking about their future. Both these men are younger than Donald Trump and see themselves having a future. (laughs) Donald Trump doesn't look into the future. It's about what he can get now. But these men do see they have a future. And they finally come to their senses and realize that As long as they're standing next to Donald Trump, there is no fucking future. There's nothing but disaster and failure if you stand by Donald Trump. So they took the smart route. They took the first step and they spoke out against Donald Trump. But that's just the beginning. They're going to slowly ease into discounting and denying some of the things that Donald Trump did. They're going to change their stance. Now, whether it's early enough to save them, I don't know. I mean, they are partially responsible. They are culpable in all the things that Donald Trump did because they supported him. They may be the first ones to get away, but they'll never lose that taint, if you will, because they did it. And they did it in public. Brian Kilby did it every day. You can leave now. You can try to save your career now, but there's a lot of video showing otherwise. They're smart for being the first ones. There'll be more to follow, and ultimately everybody will follow. But the longer you stand by Donald Trump's side, the worse you're going to be when it's all said and done. So this is going to be interesting to watch and see how they, uh, how other people follow the things they say. And of course, when Donald Trump heard these two come out and say that, he was mad as hell. He was talking shit about them, which is weird because Donald Trump used to call Fox News all the time, talk to Brian Kilmeade, promote whatever the fucking shit he was promoting. And he supported uh, Mike Rounds in his candidacy for the U.S. Senate. He was uh, Donald Trump's boy. 
but now he's talking against him. It has nothing to do with facts. It just has to do with the audacity of contradicting Donald Trump. Because in Donald Trump's mind, it's all about Donald Trump. He's a narcissist. He doesn't give a fuck about anybody else, and he's shown that to be the case. So this will be interesting to see this ultimate um, landslide of people that jump ship ultimately. Because it will happen. It's going to happen. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, we are back. You know, it's interesting. They just found forged certificates of ascertainment. Now, we saw something like this out of Wisconsin, but this time it's Arizona and Michigan. And what these are, are forged certificates of assertion, declaring that Donald Trump, the recipient of the state's 2020 electors. Now, the January 6th committee has these forged documents. So what happened is there's documents that have to be sent out by the state to Washington, D.C. and claim the electors and who they voted for. And, of course, Donald Trump won in Michigan and Arizona and in Wisconsin. They sent out those documents, these certifications, saying that Joe Biden won. Well, somebody somehow in these states, I don't know how they did it, created something that was uh, similar to those certifications. They essentially forged it. And what's interesting is that the uh, um, documents in Michigan and Arizona look almost identical. Different names on it, different signatures, but they're all notarized and they look very similar. So what these clowns tried to do was try to send these documents after the real documents were sent in and say, look, no, these are the real ones. Donald Trump won Michigan, won Wisconsin, won Arizona. Now, that just goes to show you how dumb these people are. Did they really think that was going to work? Were they trying to impress somebody like Donald Trump that they were doing it? And the fact that the documents looked identical between Michigan and Arizona Does that mean there was somebody else behind it, somebody at a higher level with the Republican Party or even in the Trump administration? Sounds kind of fishy, doesn't it? But the fact that they forged these documents and sent them in as if they're real, sent them to the National Archives, and now somehow the House Select Committee has them. So they have forged documents on paper with the state seals on them. I don't know if they did some cutting and pasting or whatever the fuck they did, but it was a, it did appear to be an official document, even though it was forged. The question is, what's going to happen to these people? They're not going to be hard to find because their names are on the fucking forged documents. They need to track these people down, the people that generated this uh, these documents, and they need to be tried for forgery or trying to obstruct an election or overturn an election. That's a pretty serious offense. Question is, are they going to do that? I would suspect they will. These people aren't necessarily VIPs. They're just average Joes like you and me, but still trying to do something to overturn the election. Now, we know people have uh, been arrested for voting twice or trying to do things in the voting booths and stuff. And they went to trial and they've been convicted and they've been punished. So you would think the same thing would occur with these. I think the state needs to find out who's forging their documents, how they're forging their documents, and the state needs to deal with it as well. But on a federal level, the fact that the House Select Committee now has these documents, that's pretty powerful. That's pretty flagrant. And you can bet they're going to use that to go after not only the people in those states, 
but whoever it was on a national level or a federal level that helped them put this together. This isn't something states figured out to do on their own. They were helped. They were assisted in doing this. And much like the insurrection, it had to come from one place. That had to come from the Oval Office, the Trump administration. Who else could fucking help them do this? So that's going to be interesting to see if they press charges and uh, what happens to these people. But more importantly, it's going to be interesting to see who was behind it, who helped it. And I'll bet against anything that it was somebody at the White House level in the Oval Office. Maybe not Donald Trump directly, maybe Mark Meadows, maybe people in in the House of Representatives like Jim Jordan, Mark Meadows, um, Paul Gozar, whoever the fuck it is. You know, uh, in Wisconsin, we have a senator there, Ron Johnson, who's a complete conspiracy fucking nut. He said he would only run and uh, serve two terms. Well, now he's coming up for re-election again, and he says, you know what? I may run for a third term. Now, this guy is an absolute nutcase. If Wisconsin re-elects him, I don't know what to say about Wisconsin, man. They're my neighbor here. I live in Minnesota. I go to Wisconsin all the time. But some of the shit I've seen in Wisconsin makes me not want to go there anymore because clearly there are some fucking crazy-ass people, some people that are willing to do whatever they have to do to overthrow this government. And uh, I have no interest in giving those people my tourist money just to just to uh, have fun over there. These people are doing some horrible things. Then you've got Michigan and you've got Arizona. Um This can't be just the states. This has to be somebody at a higher level coordinating this, just like the insurrection. So they're going to be doing some digging around. The good news is the House Select Committee has the forgeries. And they'll be able to investigate that and track that and hopefully find out who is responsible. Now, you've got a lot of people on those lists that signed it, those electors, if you will. The fake electors who thought they could get away with telling people they're real and it obviously didn't work. I mean, we had people knocking on doors. Uh, I don't even remember where it was, but they were knocking on doors after the electors were in the Capitol. And they were knocking on the door saying, we're the real electors trying to vote Donald Trump in. These people are pretty fucking bold. And they apparently don't understand the potential ramifications of these criminal activities question is, will they do something about it? And there's a good chance they won't do anything about it. And that's unfortunate because if they don't do something about it and they don't hold these people accountable, then other people will do it again. That's the whole point of punishment. That's hopefully a way to stop people from trying to commit crimes. So it's important that the state and even the federal level do something to stop these people because this is fucking ridiculous. It was never going to work. I can't believe they thought it would, but they tried it nonetheless. You don't have to be successful in order to be guilty when it comes to something like this. All right, we've got some interesting things going on down in Georgia. We know that uh, the prosecutor in Fulton County, Georgia, Fonnie Willis is investigating uh, Donald Trump's attempt to overturn the election in the 2020 election in Georgia, how he was coercing and talking to the attorney general or the secretary of state, I'm sorry, and he was pressuring him and pressuring other people, including the prosecutor down there, including uh, other members of government. In fact, Rudy Giuliani and um, other people went down there trying to pressure them to not certify the Georgia election where it showed Biden won and change it to Donald Trump. Donald Trump just could not believe that he lost Georgia. He didn't think that was possible. So if he lost and he doesn't think it's possible, then it's got to be election fraud. Well, unfortunately, all kinds of investigations, audits and recounts were made. And the fact is, he fucking lost. But here's the interesting thing. We heard that Fonnie Willis was going to put together a special grand jury 
That's different than a regular grand jury. A special grand jury can go a lot longer. And here's the thing with grand juries. You don't, they, 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 they don't let any information out. It's all very secret. So we don't know to what level a special grand jury is working right now or if it's working at all. But we have one interesting tip-off, one interesting hint of what's going on. Because you see, Donald Trump's criminal attorneys made a visit to Georgia and to meet with Fonnie Willis. Now, they're no doubt there to try to convince her that there's no reason to prosecute him because he didn't do anything wrong. The unfortunate thing for Donald Trump is that, well, there's an audio tape of him trying to coerce and bully the Secretary of State. That's a crime. It's his voice on the tape doing the crime. It's hard to imagine him not getting an indictment out of Georgia. It just doesn't make sense. But the fact that Donald Trump has sent his criminal attorneys over to Georgia to meet with Fonnie Willis tells you that things are starting to heat up in Georgia. It's getting a little ugly out there. And... Uh, that case is pretty much open and shut because the evidence is right there in front of you. All of us heard the crime, and we don't even know all the facts to this. The investigation, no doubt, is bringing out other things. Lindsey Graham made a call. That wasn't legal. Rudy Giuliani was involved. That wasn't legal. Donald Trump himself made the call. It's on audio tape. Donald Trump's in trouble in Georgia, and he knows it. That's why he sent his attorneys to go talk to Fonnie Willis to try to convince her not to indict him and prosecute him. Well, what I've seen of Fonnie Willis, I don't think she's going to be bullied, and I don't think she's going to be persuaded. She knows what she knows. She has the evidence, and she has one job, to prosecute people that commit crimes. Donald Trump committed a crime. So, we know things are heating up in Georgia. We know things are happening, and we know Donald Trump is nervous about it. How do we know Donald Trump is nervous about, even specifically with Georgia? You maybe remember a quote that Donald Trump made. He was kind of unhinged when he did it, and he was talking about Democrats. He goes, Democrats are horrible people. They're just trying to put people in jail. They're horrible. They're terrible people. They're anti-American. They're all this stuff. They're trying to put people in jail. Well, that's interesting he would bring that up because apparently he's hearing things that maybe us and the general public aren't hearing. And that Georgia and then shortly after that, this Georgia situation becomes exposed about his lawyers going to Georgia. Make no mistake about it. Donald Trump is scared shitless right now. He's never been in a situation like this where there's evidence of all kinds going on. And he can't juggle all this shit. All of his life, there's been somebody who bails him out. Or he's been able to bully somebody. Or he's able to coerce somebody or bribe somebody. But he's not able to do that anymore. And there's nobody there to bail him out. He's grifted tons of money from his followers. And now the followers are getting tired of it. Donald Trump is in that death spiral. And he's going to crash. And it may start with Georgia. What's interesting, Donald Trump uh, is also in court now over a lawsuit by a couple of U.S. Capitol Police officers and Representative Swalwell from the House of Representatives. They sued him about inciting and being part of this insurrection. Their lives were at risk, and they're suing him. Now, here's the thing. They're, t they're at court right now, and Donald Trump is trying to get it dismissed. But it sounds like the judge isn't having it. She doesn't want to hear it. You know, they're saying, well, a president can say whatever he wants. <laughs> and she explained to them, no, not when it comes to inciting a riot or an insurrection. You can't do that. Um. And then the judge asked the lawyer as he was trying to argue this point, he says, so you think that a president can do anything because he's president when it comes to the law? 
And he said, yes, I do. I said, what about, she said, what about when he called Georgia trying to overturn the election because there might have been election fraud there? Did he have every right to do that? And the guy said, yeah, of course. And then she pointed out something that apparently the lawyer didn't figure and should have figured. She said, well, no, he doesn't have that authority in a state. He has no authority over state laws. He had no business calling Georgia and trying to overturn state laws. He's in the federal government. He can only deal on a federal level. And she also explained that uh, they were talking about conspiracy with the insurrection that he had no foreknowledge of what was going to happen. And then the judge pointed out and he said, well, they were at the ellipse. He was hyping them out, told them they had to fight. Then he pointed them at the U.S. Capitol. He sent them at the U.S. Capitol. This all happened before the actual event. That in itself would be considered conspiracy because it happened before the event. It wasn't just a freak of nature, one-off thing. He sent them there for that very reason. Now, I'm not sure how these these lawsuits are going to go. Be honest with you, if these three lawsuits go forward and he loses, could very well bankrupt him if he's not bankrupt already. But Donald Trump wants to get this case dismissed, and it's just not going to be dismissed. They have no basis in law to get it dismissed. But that's the thing you have to understand about Donald Trump. He's getting hit from all fucking sides, and he must be freaking out. He's used to handling and controlling situations. He can't control this now. You've got Manhattan District. You've got the Attorney General of New York. You've got the prosecutor in Georgia. You've got the House Select Committee and any of the laws that are being broken there and potentially the DOJ. This guy is getting buried in legal shit. He's got half-assed lawyers because he can't afford or can't get a real lawyer to work for him. So he's getting buried. He knows he's getting buried. And he's upset about it. He's fucking mad about it. And I don't blame him. He's he's He deserves it, of course. But uh, we'll see how this all shakes out. But I think Donald Trump's in trouble and he knows he's in trouble. His lawyers know he's in trouble. And there's really no way out of this situation. I just want to talk about Omicron real quick. You know, we've got the Omicron variant of the COVID virus. It's sweeping the nation and and man, it's hitting it hard. There are huge, huge numbers of people being infected. Now you're getting people that are not vaccinated. Somebody, one of the doctors said, everybody who's not vaccinated will get Omicron at one point. Every one of them. People with vaccinations are getting Omicron. I know people that have gotten it. And I'm proud to say those people that are vaccinated were fine. It was like a cold or it was nothing major. They got through it just fine. The people that are in hospitals and getting sick from this stuff are largely, if not totally, unvaccinated people. And I still people see, still see people fighting against the vaccination. I mean, you see 800,000 people dead. You see people around you going into the hospital and dying. And you still can't admit you're wrong and just go get vaccinated. That is a problem. These are gamblers. They're hoping against hope they don't get the vaccine. Uh, they, they, they don't get the, the variant or, or whatever. Uh, virus, any one of the three. They're hoping against hope they don't get it, and if they do get it, they hope they're strong enough to not be hurt by it. Now, most people probably can push their way through the Omicron variant. The Delta is a little more serious. But most people who are healthy can probably push through it, but there's a lot of people, clearly, that are dying. you got to think beyond yourself. I mean, if you're a young man in your 30s and you don't want to get the uh, vaccination, cool, because maybe you'll be okay. But you no doubt have grandparents, people that you know that are around you that are uh, immune compromised. You may be very well responsible for these people getting the virus by not being vaccinated and then watching people enter the hospital, being deathly ill and actually dying in some cases. 
That's why you get the vaccination. I mean, I keep hearing these people say, look, man, I hear you can get the the virus even if you are vaccinated. Yes, that's true. There are breakthroughs. Not everybody, not as many as you'd like to believe. But the fact of the matter is, is that isn't what the vaccine is for. The vaccine is for keeping people safe. This virus changes like every three months, so we don't know what we're dealing with necessarily until it happens. But the one thing we do know is if we get the uh, COVID-19, Delta, or the variant, if you're vaccinated, you're far safer. You're not going to go into the hospital. You're not going to die. So if that isn't reason enough to get the vaccination, I don't know what the fuck I got to tell you. If you want to take the chances, be a gambler, risk it, maybe go to the hospital and die, Godspeed. That's your fucking choice. Just don't infect other innocent people, because that's where I have the problem. And one last thing. Um, Oh, I was going to tell you something else about the Omicron, something interesting. Now, when Omicron hit the United States, it hit New York first much like the other variants, because that's where the most people are. It's a port coming from other countries, all that stuff. Well, Omicron in New York hit, and it just exploded. Man, it was shooting up into the stratosphere with new cases, new cases, and it got crazy in New York. But here's the thing. Now it's made kind of a curve, and Omicron and the uh, COVID stuff is coming down. Now, we saw this in South Africa where it hit real hard, got a lot of people infected, and then it died off real quickly. And that could very well happen in the United States. But don't feel comfortable yet unless you live in New York. It's coming down in New York, but of course, after it hit New York, it slowly spread, well, not slowly, quickly spread throughout the United States. So whenever it came into your state, it's going to be a while yet before it peaks and starts tailing off. All the while, it's going to get people infected, sick, and and possibly dying. So it does look like there's some end in sight from this thing, but not quite yet. Unless you live in New York City, you're not out of the woods yet. Even in New York City, you got to wait till it comes down farther. It's still higher than it should be, but at least it's headed in the right direction. Ultimately, it will head in the right direction in the rest of the country. It does sound like it does pass through pretty quickly. One last thing, actually. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are scheduled to speak in Atlanta about voting rights today. And I'm talking Tuesday, in case you're listening sometime later in the week. They are scheduled to speak today on voting rights. And that is the most important thing that needs to be dealt with in Washington, D.C., with our House of Representatives and the Senate. Now, there's a group in Atlanta that said, look, Biden, look, Harris, if you don't have a deal for voting rights, don't fucking come down here. Now, that seems kind of hardcore and kind of mean, but to be perfectly honest with you, I don't blame them for saying that. We keep hearing about these things and how they're going to get done. These people are tired of it. People in Georgia especially are dealing with voter suppression and all other kinds of problems with election laws. So they're angry, and they want to push Biden and Harris to get this done. I think we should all want Biden and Harris pushed to get this done. Now, in order to get this voting rights bill passed, something has to be done with the filibusters we've talked about before. With the filibuster, they need 60 votes, and we know not one Republican is for voting rights for whatever fucking reason. So the only way we can change the filibuster, if Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema agree to it, and then we can carve it out at least for this one-time deal. Now, of course, Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema are doing the typical shit they do. They shuffle their feet, and they fucking delay, and they cause problems. We're in the first quarter of 2022. This needs to get done quick. People are getting pissed about it, and they're getting pissed at Biden and Harris, and they have good reason to do it. Joe Biden is the president of the United States. He's the most powerful man in the country. This is a serious bill that needs to get done. He needs to get it done, whatever it fucking takes. No more Mr. Nice Guy. No more rules in a street fight. you got to take the gloves off, 
get the fucker done. Do what you have to do with mansion and cinema and get it done. Get the voting rights done. That is absolutely the most important thing that has to be taken care of now. After you get that done, you can look at Build Back Better or whatever. But right now, the voting rights need to get done. If we don't get the voting rights passed, this country is fucked because the Republicans are trying to game the elections in almost every state in the country. And then we don't have any more free elections, fair elections. We don't even have democracy anymore because of what's being done in individual states. So I'm all for those people in Atlanta that are saying, don't come here unless you got a fucking deal. They are going to be there today. They're going to give their talk. And maybe they'll announce that they have something, some kind of agreement to get it done. They don't have the bill done. They aren't going to have the bill done. But hopefully they give some confidence to the people that are fighting for this and know we need this at a, as a country. So we'll watch how that talk goes and we'll see how this week goes. Because I'll be honest with you, this voting bill needs to pass within the next week or two max. It needs to get done. If Joe Biden has any hopes to get anything else done in this country, they got to get that done first. So the pressure's on for uh, Kamala and Joe. So they need to get it done. Be watching for it. Be pushing for it on your own right, because this is a game changer if we don't get it passed. All right, we're wrapping up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have questions or comments, by all means, just email me directly at rationalboomer at gmail.com or go to anchor.fm, look for Rational Boomer, and leave a voicemail message. I love hearing from you. So you have a great day, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.